You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the B&H app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. If you dabble in film cameras and or collectible cameras, there's a good chance you know the name Japan Camera Hunter and maybe even the name of the person behind the website, Bellamy Hunt. I've been a casual collector of cameras for many years, and I've been following Japan Camera Hunter for a while now. I've suggested doing a show with Bellamy for some time, and when John, when John Jason and myself were brainstorming for show ideas last week, John suggested I reach out to that Japan camera guy again, <laughs> see what happens, and I dropped him an email, and son of a gun, we were expecting a Skype inter- interview with him, <laughs> and he's sitting here yes. six days later in the show. It, it was so nice of you to fly in just for us. Oh, uh, we really, my really pleasure. Did. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Bellamy. Before we get started, uh, uh, we're going to kick in a little thing here. Al's Gearhead Pick of the Week. In honor of you, okay. half cases. Mm. We usually have specific products. Now we're talking about a product category. Uh-huh. Uh, custom-fitted cases to protect your camera without detracting from the functionality of the camera. Uh, they offer better padded grip, uh, more secure uh, feel to them. They look good, and they preserve the value of your camera. They are available from Artisan and Artist, Mega Gear, Billingham, as well as Fujifilm, Olympus, Panasonic, and Pentax. Um, I use them myself on several of my collectibles so that I can go out and actually shoot them without destroying the cameras. (laughs) And I find that they actually just have a better feel for them, although a Leica... With nothing on it is still the best. I have yeah. to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Those artisans and artists can be kind of dear, right? They can get oh yes. Pricey. Oh, oh I've, yeah. Seen, I've yeah. seen handmade ones from oh. other makers, which can be very dear. Oh yes. Very dear indeed. <laughs> 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 kind of shocking, but. By the way, be, first question for you. Yes. Before we even get into anything, yeah. what makes people spend two hundred dollars for a soft release button? What is that about? <sighs> <laughs> I look I at know, the price. Um, we have this little machine button that you screw into your shutter release, yep. and it only costs you ninety dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can because I sell them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it, it depends on people's budget. It depends on what they want. You know, personalization, and for some people, it doesn't matter how much it costs to make something theirs. Yes, you know. Yeah, something um, I learned a long time ago. <laughs> never judge the value of something based on the value of you, how much credit yeah. limit you've got. Yeah, you know? I mean, you want to start, you know, fan, you know, talking about soft releases. Go and speak to a Porsche collector yeah. and see what they pay <laughs> oh, for yes. things. Oh it's, yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's levels of madness. I think. Yeah. So Japan Camera Hunter yes. now. Obviously, you are not Japanese. You're from no. Bronx or Queens? I can't tell from the accent. <laughs> it's Canada. No. <laughs> That's what I've been asked since I've been here. Um, what part of Canada are you from? I'm from Oxford in the UK. And you've been in Japan now for? 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. What got you there initially? Uh, ways and means. I kind of found myself drifting, ended up there. wasn't expecting to go there. It wasn't on the itinerary. Um found myself in Japan and thought, I'll stay for a month, three months, <laughs> six months, a year, two, well, five, I moved six, to New ten. Jersey temporarily in 1973. Yeah, yeah these oh, things no. happen, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it just, now, were you a photographer? Are you, what's your photographic background? I was a photographer. Uh, I studied photography at school and at college, but when I went to university, I bizarrely didn't study photography. I, I thought I'd go in a different direction, which I immediately regretted. Um, 
So I went back after I finished university to taking uh, photographs professionally for you know, events, corporate. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Traveled. Did that again. Hated it. But found myself uh, with an opportunity to work for a photography company, which I found much more interesting because I wasn't being told what to take pictures of anymore. Mm-hmm. I could take pictures, as many pictures as I wanted for me with all of their stuff. But I didn't have, to, I wasn't being, you know, paid to take pictures of some specific thing, which I enjoyed much more. So I quit the photography sort of thing and, and focused on my own work um, and making a living from an industry that's related. Were you always into old cameras at the time? Oh, yeah. 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 Film. yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd been shooting film and, and collecting cameras since I could, since I had the means to do so. So to work for a company, and it was quite a well-known company in Japan, so to work for somebody as esteemed as them, you know, dream come true, it was a foot in the door because I had to work as a part-timer. I had to really, you know, a uh, thousand yen an hour, which is like 10 bucks an hour is minimum wage, you know, um, and doing the worst, you know, sweeping the warehouse, that sort of thing. But didn't matter to me. It was because I, you know, for maybe 15 minutes a day, I got to play with really rare stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was enough. That was my sustenance, you know. It was an apprenticeship. Yeah. I've watched videos of you going through the camera bins in stores and stores. Yeah. And like you're a kid in a candy store. It's really, oh, yeah. really something. What is it about Japan? They seem to have a real, it seems to be a magnet for collectible and rare cameras and a special appreciation Yeah, there. the Japanese have a real appreciation for uh, the work that went into something. Not just the case of, well, look at the finished product. It's, I think an appreciation of how that product came to be, you know, and how they worked to get that thing, you know. So they really take care of their stuff, be it a car, be it electronics, uh, musical instruments, cameras, watches. They, they have the most beautiful care. And so you'll find cameras from the 60s which look like brand new. You'll find cars from the 50s that look like brand but new. Still being used? Or yes, just still being used. Yeah. Still yeah. being used. And this is the thing. They still use these things. Um, the, I can't count the amount of times that I've bought a camera from the early 80s. And you know that plastic film that we all love to peel off? <laughs> they don't. Oh, they don't. Yeah. Pe- and you're itching. You want to. And, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I, did, I once bought a stereo and I, I immediately just went quick. You know, ripped it off, you know, with glee. And yeah. the person next to me was like, you barbarian. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing? You, know, you obviously don't care about your things. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not... Have it's you changed? Interesting. <laughs> are you now, have you changed that? Yeah, you know what? I think I am becoming Japanese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I understand uh, the future value of them, mm, I think, yeah, more. Yeah. It's really, they're not only interested in, as a culture, in the in the physical tool, but also imagery yes, is something that absolutely. they also take very seriously. We throw around the word bokeh a lot. Now, from my understanding is that bokeh, bokeh, bokeh yeah. is a transliteration of a Japanese term, which basically defines the visual characteristics of out-of-focus specular highlights. Yes, yeah, it's... Which is why they love Leica and Zeiss and all that. Stuff yeah, it's difficult. It it, it's difficult to explain because I had not heard the term used until you know digital photography came along. Yeah, and it was just sort of a concept that you, when I was first in Japan, you just kind of understood. Mm-hmm. It was not a term that was used. 
And, you know, they got really quite, the foreigners say bokeh, hmm. and they don't know how to say it. <laughs> you know, they were quite confused by why everybody got so excited about something they'd known about forever, yeah. you know. Um, it is, yeah, I mean, I've, I've not been a bokeh chaser. Bokehs, as Kai might say. You know. Well, actually, most people just, they use it to describe a narrow focus. Yeah. They're not even describing yeah. what is going on Depth visually. Depth field. You know? Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of a blurred yeah. kind of thing. It's got the bokeh. It's got the bokehs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the Japanese are much more focused, pardon pun. Um, <laughs> we could go on for hours. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're much more sort of, into the the image as a whole and the aesthetic that it creates and the feeling of the image and they you know you might look at japanese photography and think well it's quite bland but you have to look beyond that because the narrative is very subtle you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. and they're looking at uh quite complex sort of uh interpersonal relationships with uh the the surrounding sort of architecture or or the social situation which uh, you know, nowadays, I think a lot of digital photography is just about the image, just about, look, look how pretty it is, as you say, bokeh, look how sharp this is. Or, and there's usually a lot more sort of narrative to Japanese photography, I think. It's it's harder to sort of pin down. So we... And were you familiar with Japanese photography or at least the, the tradition and history of it before you... Arrived? Before I got to Japan, no, yeah. no. I mean, I, I knew of Japanese photographers, but I took little notice of it um it wasn't until i got there and became involved with the company and and working with some of these photographers and you know going to exhibitions going to shows with japanese people who could explain to me well this is what this is and this is who he is and this is the importance and the relevance of it that became a lot more interesting for me you know uh learning about how the japanese consider photography you won't see a lot of people with pictures on their walls in Japan. Interesting. Know. Wow. Okay. But they have books. Oh, my word, do they have books. Yeah. Are Japanese photographers in general, are, are they more into the film thing or is digital pretty big? No, they've, they've really taken digital on, uh, embraced it. They were slow to comparatively, you know, um, but when they did, they took it on fully. Um, you'll find now... I, I was with Daido Moriyama last year and he he said, you know, I, I wouldn't use film again. Are you mad? <laughs> I don't have the time for that nonsense, you know. Um, yeah, your and, business is exploding. Or I shouldn't yeah. say exploding. You, is being driven by yes, yeah, film now. Yeah, and it, uh, well, exploding would be fairly accurate. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Good, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, is in the last two years, it's sort of, changed dramatically but is it any more so there than you would say it is here or, um or no London japan or? yeah it's it's funny um japan again is slow to sort of get into this um but now they're looking at a film renaissance there as yeah. well um, particularly with disposable cameras yeah um that's become quite a fashion item here too. um yeah. you know which is cool um because it gives people a sort of uh, a, a foot in the door you know into film photography and perhaps maybe 10% of those people might actually go and buy a film camera, which is wonderful. Um, they look at it differently. You, but the thing is, you can still get developing done just about anywhere. Every town will have a place that will develop film. That's you not know? the case here Which anymore. isn't the case. You have in, to look yeah, really hard to find you know, a good lab. I went back to the UK and I went to my, my hometown and 
There was nowhere to develop film. Nowhere at all. And this is a town of 50,000 people. You know, I had to go to the next big city to get stuff developed. And in Japan, I'm telling you, every small town has a lab. At a, at a camera shop? Or yeah, at a, a camera shop. Lab? Okay. Yeah, um, and it may or may not be good, but they'll do it, okay. you know. By the way, if, if any of our listeners are, are, are kind of still scratching their heads about why people are shooting film uh, <laughs> and, and buying turntables, yeah. uh, there's a very good book I, I read recently. It's called The Revenge of Analog. I've heard of this. It yeah. is worth reading. It gets yeah. it explains the mind think behind others, but away from digital and why people want something tangible and physical. Yeah, and that's that's a big draw. The book really clicked with me. It made me understand what I was doing. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a certain uh, in the younger generation, perhaps uh, there's been a kind of jaded attitude towards social media in recent times. You know, this feeling of everything I do is shared every single thing I do. You know, there's no nothing hidden, no privacy. You know, um, so you're taking Instagram photos and you think, well, maybe I don't want all of these online. You know, and that's how Instax particularly has become. It's the same sort of shape, format, size, you know, except it's tangible, it's real. And you get a picture of me and I'm kind of messed up at a party. Oh, well, we can just put that in my pocket and nobody will ever see it again. (laughs) It's not on the internet. That's that's for the private account. Yeah, but um, there's also that feeling of, you know, I just want something personal, tangible, as you say, something I can feel, touch, and know that it's something I've created. And I don't have, I'm not compelled to share it, you know. Now, Leica's are given as being like, investment grade cameras for whatever we we talk we could do a whole show on what is it about Leica that's no one else seems to have yes what are the brands of cameras what are the kind of cameras are are gaining interest now amongst people who are either collecting or shooting um anything Nikon particularly uh earlier SLRs rangefinders Hasselblad particularly early Hasselblad and space Hasselblad limited editions Oh, I remember I can buy a, a, a space super white for 6000 I kick myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. The, the things I've missed out on over the years. Are, but then the things I've found as well, <laughs> it kind of balances out. Oh, but, I follow your site. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, Canon rangefinders, particularly anything black paint, doesn't matter what the brand is, if it's black paint, anything original black paint or repainting so i know there's some people doing repainting i do repainting i i I handle repainting for people but um yeah repainted no that's a different thing because that's a very personal thing um i tend to find uh repaints for people to their specs Mm -hmm. you know harder to sell on because it's been done in a personal way um but original black anything you know, even Canonet QL17s. Hey, you've got a Japan edition I one? I noticed. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I've got like 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a habit, yeah. <laughs> By the way, if our listeners have not gone to uh, Japan Camera Hunter yet, do so. It's more its more than just cameras. Yeah. First of all, the, 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 the kind of cameras that you, you showcase are just gorgeous. They're the best of all the genre. But you have very good interviews. Yeah. You have very good articles and blog yeah. posts. Um, and you recently did an article that I, I, I read about you pleading with camera manufacturers. Why yep. don't you come out with a good film camera? Yep. And it, it, it's, it made me think, and it's really true that right now there is a resurgence of film. Mm-hmm. Film production is, is, is starting up again. Yep. You have your own films that you're yes. now uh, 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 
uh, selling. And if you go to a camera store, uh, you know, you want to buy a brand new film camera, you have, what, a Nikon FM10? That's pretty much. That's, yeah. yeah. And, and, and a couple of Lomography cameras. But yeah. you're handling cameras that uh, were both consumer and luxury point and shoots yes. 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago yeah. that are now going for far more money than they did back then. Ridiculous sums now. Yeah, uh, crazy sums. Um, I've probably done that to the market. <laughs> 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 it's not like I'm making anything from it now. I can't even find them myself. Um, and they've become a sort of a celeb icon now. Uh, um, and this is my point You know that I said in that post. It's about time one of the manufacturers took this on. It is not an impossible task. I've done the research. You know, I've spoken to patent holders and manufacturers. And some of the smaller places have said, yeah, we can do it. We just need the money. You know, um, the larger companies stayed silent, obviously. They would do. Um, their bottom line is judged by their shareholders. You know, um, and that's a hard sell for them. I, but I think one of them would benefit hugely from taking that risk. Um, not just in terms of, and it would be short-sighted to say, oh, well, they'll only buy these. Well, no, they wouldn't. They'll buy your digital stuff as well. <laughs> you know, because they'll think, wow, this, these guys really care about photography, not just how many lens shades I can sell you or... Yeah. The no. technology's there too. It's the not tech. like they have to come up with new technologies. Well, this but is the exciting part. It's not even that we have to rely on old tech. We can incorporate new tech mm -hmm. into a film camera. Why couldn't you have a Bluetooth-enabled film camera? Why, why is that an issue? That's, it shouldn't be a hybrid modern camera which shoots film. Mm -hmm. You know, you can control it from your smartphone, but you've still got to wait a week for the, the results. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Personally, I'd be tickled pink if I could pick up a Minolta SRT 101 and pick it up to my head and make a phone call with it. That's what I'm waiting to do. Uh, can we uh, jump back a bit to talk sure. about how you how the business got started and how you went from working for this camera company to yeah scrounging around and yeah well, tell us. Um, so I was working for them and I'd been working perhaps too much. I got a bit sick, had to take some time off work, and I sort of took that time to. Uh, rethink what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. I'd already been working for them in a capacity as a buyer. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, I would like to do that for myself. I know the people, I have the contacts, I know the stores, but I wouldn't do this without their permission. You know, I wouldn't just go away and do it. So I, I you know, I went to them and I said, this is what I'd like to do. Um, I don't think I can really work in this capacity anymore. And they said, absolutely fine. You know, we completely understand. And they gave me their blessing and their support, which was invaluable. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think many people get that. I still consider that company family. You and know, this company is going to go unnamed during the show. Um, no, or? no, I'm happy to name them. They're Ginichi in Tokyo. Okay. You know, um, and I consider them family. They, they've been wonderful to me and they helped me sort of start myself up as it were. Um, and yeah, for the first six months, it was a lot of hard slogging. I mean, it, I didn't stop pushing really for the first four years, you know, um, and I still push myself very hard. I don't ever want to uh, not do this as a job. I love what I do, the opportunities I get. And 
it built from there. You know, the, I started sourcing for a couple of big clients and then I started getting more personal clients and then it became sort of, it turned into a flood and, you know, a, by then it was four years in, re started releasing my own products, uh, film cases and things like that. Which That's the first thing I, I noticed. Uh, I think that was the first thing that drew me to your yep. site. Somehow I saw those little f film containers yep. Yep. and I was on the market for some of the time. Yep. And I said, oh, who's this? Yeah. And that's how I said, oh, okay. So I knocked those Mark out this one. <laughs> and they, they went really well. Um, and then I decided, you know, well, now's the next step. You've got to keep on moving. You've got to evolve. Right. You know, but the first um, the first iteration of this was was you finding cameras, yes, and reselling them, correct? Basically, um, not reselling them. Um, I found I was a broker, so mm -hmm. I found cameras to order. Okay, there was not really any reselling because people told me specifically what they wanted. You're a personal shopper, yeah. essentially. Okay, so yeah. the, the clients kind of came first yeah. in that sense. Absolutely, you, had the clients. you know, and I had in some cases some quite large corporate. Uh, you know, customers, some studios, things like this, and they would say, "We need thirty-five of of this lens." You know, fine, okay. So you go and find them thirty-five copies of exactly the same lens, and you make sure that they, you know, they want, they need variables to test. You know, so that they can have one standard lens. So, um, and you know, those sort of deals help me, you know, uh, build it up. I've never really bought stuff to resell. Occasionally, if I see something, I mean, if I see something super rare, yeah, I'm taking that. I'll, I can, I know I can find a client for it because I, you know, I have that list of clients. Um, but I generally don't keep stock. Uh, I do consignment sales for a lot of uh, people, particularly with rare items. And are they mostly out of Japan? Mostly in um, well, no, this is the thing because even if the customers are out of Japan, I insist that the item is sent to me. And I hold it in escrow until it's sold because I need to be able to confirm that it is what it is and it is to the standard that I say it is. Because I would like to think that perhaps my name counts for some sort sure. of standard of quality now. Well, it must. I mean, if that, yeah. I mean, if you're the, the middle person, yeah, that's what your so, slack and trade is. Right? Yes, exactly. So it's it's not eBay. No, no, not at all. I am definitely not eBay. Um, <laughs> Repeat that, right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> I even wrote an article about that, and I got pretty shirty about it. Um, you know, I, I read it. <laughs> that's why I threw it in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I got tired of being like, "Hey, man, can you find me this cheaper than eBay?" Nope. <laughs> you know, it'll be more. Right. But it won't break, right. you know. It'll be what you think. It, it will it be is. what you expect it to That's be, exactly, and it won't yeah. be minty, minty plus 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 because that doesn't oh, that, exist. Oh God! That's, yeah. I hate that. That doesn't exist. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quite. I actually click on those yeah. just to see how bad the stuff is. Sometimes some of it is awful. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I mean, just no shame. <laughs> I, I saw a, a, an original Nikon F recently, and he's that minty thing. I was looking at the close-up pictures. The mirror was shattered. <laughs> That's insane. It was shattered. Yeah, I mean, I still get caught out sometimes, but... I think they were referring to the smell of it. <laughs> minty. <laughs> yes. Kept in a box of Tic Tacs for years. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the, yeah I, I, this, I try to be very clear in my descriptions. You know, I like to think that I have a standard... Um, that is quite strict. Japan is very strict. Uh, and I'll often have customers from the US 
oh, I'll say this camera is what I would class as excellent. It's got usage marks on it. It's not mint. And they'll get it and say, but it looks brand new. Well, there's a three millimeter scratch on the bottom, right. so it's not mint. Right. But you know, they, they have a different standard, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 What, what, aside from like, because I think I started to get to this a little bit earlier, what kind of cameras are becoming popular now, desirable? Rangefinders, anything rangefinders. Um, but in the recent times, everybody wants a Contax T2 or a T3 or a Ricoh, you know, a compact camera. Everybody wants a premium contact. Sorry, guys, unless you've got a thousand bucks, you're kind of out of luck now. And I've also been looking at like the Minolta TC1, which yes. was, you um, can't get, th those yeah. are crazy. So the official service on them uh, through Minolta ceased about six months ago. So, ah. uh, so you have to buy three of them then? Yeah, yeah. And they always have exactly the same issue, which is a light baffles issue. So you'll get a light leak in always exactly the same spot. It's the bottom left-hand corner, you know, and you'd have to replace the whole unit inside the light box to to get the camera to work again it's crazy now can i ask are you sourcing is it sounds like the sourcing that you're doing is international you're yes. working internet and it's not like you i had an Mo, image the, of you digging well, through no. old camera this is what you do it that was. too though right well, this is what it <laughs> was have. originally when i started it was literally me hitting the stores every mm. day traipsing around tokyo finding stuff and i very quickly got tired of that and I didn't have enough time because it takes up an awful lot of time. Um, could you, I mean, is there enough stock, enough supply yes. in these old stores that you could yes. continue to do this? Yes, and, and I, I still do. I, I think 90% of the items I find are still yeah. from Japan. It's only the very rare that I find from outside of Japan. Um, I don't have to run to the stores anymore because I know them all very right, well right. personally. <laughs> so I can just call them up and say, hey, have you got this? Brilliant. Is it to my standard? Yes, brilliant. Send it over. I'll send you, you know, you just send me the invoice. Um, and they know if it's not good enough, they won't send it to me. <laughs> They've learned that the hard way. Um, but I have a very good relationship with them. So I don't, and they'll often call me and say, hey, we've got this. Are you interested? Do you have a client for it? Yeah, I'm sure. Because they know I'll always find a client for the really cool stuff. Um, so I started working smarter. You know, um, because there's other aspects of my business I need to, to to focus on. So as much as I love going around the stores, it's now fairly limited. Um, but the camera shows, of which there'll be one when I get back, there'll be one in about a week after I get back. Yes, I still go to those, though I don't do the 2 a.m. Shows are auctions? Or no, shows are camera fairs, which okay. have used cameras. Or used cameras. Things, yeah. It used to be pretty popular, right? but you, yeah. you hardly see them around. Oh, they're still, they're still huge in Japan, and it'll be a lot of the stores in a group, and mm. they will be there, and they will have their best items for right. sale. They'll do, each one of them will probably do half a million dollars in a weekend, mm. you know. Um, and... I used to be the first guy there <laughs> queuing at one, no, I'm not joking, queuing at one o'clock in the morning um, to, to be able to get that crazy Nikon fisheye or that, you know, Noctilux 1.2 in black yeah. paint or, um, I stopped doing that. I, <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and some of the traders got wise to me. So they started queuing up at 9 p.m. the night before and I just went, yeah, I'm not, no, nah, I've got a life. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you fall in love with stuff? That, that, see, if Still, I was you, I'd have a hard day. time. And you go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make money on this one. I can't sell this. I love it. No. <laughs> um, well, I learned that very early on because I started doing it and I just went, oh, I'm going to have that. I'm going to have that. And I'm just going to keep it. And no. 
No, realized very quickly I couldn't do it. Um, stopped, bought myself the camera that I knew I wanted, which is that one. Right there. Nice camera. And never looked back. Uh, it, Black I, Leica MP, by the way. Yeah. With a Leica, is that's a Leica in the bottom, right? It's a Leica MP6. MP6. So it was the one that was made prior to the MP becoming a regular item. It was made as a sort of a test model for the market in Japan only. With the like of it and the winder and the black paint 35 Summicron aspherical with the hood, it took me like four years to put that set together. So I'll give you 500 bucks cash rate, small bills, <laughs> small bills. Oh, I'm Anime tempted. An Metro card. <laughs> oh, you, you really know how to up the ante. Um, I think I might pass. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my, you'd have to prize that from my, my cold dead hands, I guess. That's, that's the, you know, I knew I bought it and that would be it. And I've seen other cameras which I thought are immensely desirable, but that one straddled the border of being desirable, but being expensive enough to be a little bit silly. You know, without going, oh, God, I've scratched it. What am I going to do? I've just knocked $1,000 off it. I can actually use this one. And I do. If you can see on the bottom, there's dents and scratches. And, you know, I mean, it's my camera. So that alleviated the gas for me. Mm -hmm. So and now I get to buy things for other people. And the cool thing is a lot of them really appreciate what I do. And they'll say, hey, just go and shoot a couple of rolls through it before you send it to me. Okay, cool. <laughs> no problemo. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, so I get to play with all of the cool stuff, you know. And are your, your clients, a lot of them repeat? A lot of yes. the same people? Yeah. Collectors? Um, or, or also yeah, I have a lot of uh, uh, collectors, repeat customers. Sometimes some people buy something every month. Really? Others will be, you know, once a year, it's my birthday. Hey, how's it going? Find me this. Yeah. It, it, it really depends, you know. Um, I've had customers that I really didn't think would be big spenders. They come in and buy something really small and sort of arm and ar over the price. And then the next time around, they come in and just drop $15,000 without even thinking, you know. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, but they all get the same treatment, you know. Um, everybody will. I do do my best to find something, the right thing for everyone. What's one of the oddest cameras you're that you've, oddest cameras you've ever found or discovered. Oddest? What blew you away, saying, even is something this even existed? Ah. The first time I got my hands on a compass, uh, Jago Lakucha compass camera. That, that, I am not familiar with that. Uh, that that was odd. It was, you know, it's a watch company. <gasps> oh, yeah. Jago. Uh, yeah, so they made a, a, a camera um, back in the 19... 30s, I think, 30s or 40s, you know, this Art Deco yeah, masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Looks like a jewel. And I couldn't believe that it was a working camera. And, you know, somebody mm. asked me to pick one up for them and I had to figure out what it was and where. And I, I found it. I found one for them, you know. Um, I've got one in black. <laughs> I doubt very much. <laughs> you know what? I've, I found the... I found two of the three versions of them. I'm still waiting to find yeah. the German version. And where does, um, like, you know, your, your products blend with the, the auction and the, the collectible world? Is it is it all part of the same thing? Or is there every now and again you'll get a camera and you go, this is not really for just a resale. It's really something that should be auctioned out of oh, yeah. I mean, Southbees or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I have items that have been so rare mm. 
that the only possibility is either to go to auction or to go to a private collector. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't deal with auctions generally, so um, and I have a list of private collectors mm -hmm. who are very serious about what they want. So if I find something that is, you know, extraordinarily rare, I just you know drop them a line and say, "Hey, I've got this. And Get your you, bank book ready." On the flip side, have you? Uh, have you ever been fooled? Have you ever come across a camera that was presented yeah. as something else um, that wasn't what it was? Well, yes. I mean, fooled, no. I mean, I've... I, I've or you found I've, a knockoff. And, I found yeah. plenty of knockoffs. I nearly got fooled once. Um, I bought... Uh, I was sold. What we were led to understand was the... I think it was the 70th or 73rd Nikon F ever made. Um, and everything looked legit until you got up very close and actually took the top cover off and then went, hold on a minute, this doesn't, this doesn't add up, this doesn't compute. And once we, we'd already paid for it, and once we got the top plate off, we were like, no, this isn't what it claims to be. But this is Japan, you know. I took it back to the shop and said, no, this isn't what it is. And they said, oh, very sorry, here you go, here's your money back, done. You know, um, it was not what a, made not you an issue. actually take the top plate. But with a camera like that, you have to verify what it is. And what kind of things are you looking for? You're I mean, looking for uh, period correct parts internally, as well as externally. Because everything's got to match. Okay. Because yeah. I have two 1959Fs from the yeah. first 6400, mm -hmm. and they do have funny little things about them. The first 200 have really. Big differences. They're cloth shutters, I believe. There's not I'm just mistaken. that. There's the, the hatch marks on the, uh, the the timers and things like this. There's so many tiny, weeny little differences as they were working out what was the most cost-effective way of producing these items. So in the first, say, 500 cameras, you're going to see quite a lot of differences. Um, and the first 100 cameras now are considered grails. You know, I know where probably about 10 of them reside. There's a guy with a website. He actually photographs all of this, all of them by serial number. Yes. He's got this site where it's just like mug shots, but yeah. they're all just Nikon Fs from 1959. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I know probably where the earliest one I know of is in the 20s. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm not allowed to say where that is. Now, how much would something like that be worth? Oh, ballpark. You can't put a price on it because they don't come for sale. I mean, I would hesitate but wouldn't be surprised if it got a hundred thousand dollars really yeah really that's interesting because if you have one now the first i think it was the 10 months they made seventy thousand cameras yeah something like, and if you have one like five six thousand serial number i mean it's just a few hundred dollars so yeah. that's that's huge but if you're talking yeah you're talking about the first 100 yeah. cameras okay that that is a difference these essentially hand assembled cameras yeah at that they, point, they were still say. figuring out how to yeah. put them together you know um, it's the same with the very, very early Leicas. You know, I had a, a first batch M3, and it wasn't, I mean, there was like 900 and something made in the first, or 2,000 in the first batch, um, but it was number 700, I think. Mm -hmm. And that commanded double the price of a regular M3, just for number 700. Mm -hmm. you know? Do people, most of the buyers anyway, do they buy the cameras to use them, or do they just put them away on a shelf? Uh, most of my clients... Uh, buy them to use them. I do know that some of them buy them to and you always store sell them. The cameras always working that you sell. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, to me, part of the joy is using these cameras. Yeah. I mean, I yesterday I was out shooting with four old cameras. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it, I like to know that people are using them. Yeah. But then with certain things I've sold, there is this historical perspective where they are quite important yeah. for what they are. And to use them would be to endanger them ever being usable again. Makes sense. You know, and so I think for some of these items, they are best kept in for a historical record in somewhere sensible. And primarily 35 millimeter cameras are you? Oh no, everything. 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 Um, the large format, not so much. Mm -hmm. And particularly the very, very large format and the very old, like not anymore. I used to deal with that. It's very difficult and most of the good stuff is already gone. Mm -hmm. I know exactly where it is <laughs> uh, when I need to, but it's it has gone, yeah. The, I know the past uh, um, 15, 20 years, there's been a couple of interesting uh, reissues of old classic cameras. Leica had, was it Leica Zero, was it? Or the, the O? Oh, yes. The, the original. Replica. The yeah. replica. And then Nikon came out with the S2, their um, rangefinder. The S3. S3, S3 I'm sorry. S3 2000. Yes. Yeah. Now, and the SP. Oh, okay. That yeah. was. Yeah. Did they re-release Did they hold their value? I mean, how, how are oh, people they've, they've dealing with that? They've more than doubled their value. <laughs> are they really? Yeah. The, it's ridiculous. Nikon was kind of short-sighted on that, I think. They felt at the time, they released it at the wrong time, and they almost couldn't sell their stock at the time. And they were kind of wondering, what are we going to do with this? Because you know, with PhotoCare, there were, there were two of them that sat there forever. Yeah, yeah. and in all sorts of places, because America didn't, they had lots of problems with the production. So America didn't get its order until two years after, uh -huh. you know, and Japan, they were just sitting on the shelves. And then people like me came along, <laughs> started putting them on Instagram and everybody wanted one. And now, you know, they sell for an awful lot of money. Um, the SP goes for $6,000, you know, an S3 is three, uh, black one box kits, like three grand, you know, um, it's a lot of money. And... I think had Nikon released it, those cameras on their hundredth anniversary, mm. like any normal yeah. person would have done, <laughs> and paint them gray, yeah, oh, okay, and great. would Thank have you. would have <laughs> made themselves a a, a bundle. Um, Nick, I mean, Leica still release film cameras, special editions. The the Olive Kyoto set that's like twenty thousand bucks. The uh, M hundred set, the hundredth anniversary set. You know, stainless steel Leica MP. You know, and it's like 40 grand just for that camera. They recently came out with some orange cameras that were only sold in, in India or something yeah. like that. Oh, they do. By the way, do you know what my all-time yeah. favorite Leica specialty camera is? Which? Commemorative camera. Yep. One of them, and before I die, I'm going to own one of these cool. things, okay? They came out with one that celebrated not one but two 50th anniversaries. It was the Playboy Club and Hello Kitty <laughs> and and you got the Playboy Bunny and the Hello Kitty logos engraved on the top. I, that to me is just I've never I, seen either of those. Oh, you, it's the same camera, but it has both logos on it. I've never seen that. About five or six years ago. I mean, first of all, I'd love to. Oh, was it, on, is it a digital one? Or? No, no, it was a film camera. I'd like to have just been in the meeting where they, somebody came up with that idea. <laughs> I want to know what they were doing. Wow, <laughs> I, I can't say I've seen those. I mean, I, I have a favorite, but the the price has. I like the MP Titanium, which they yeah. released for Ginza. And when they were new, you could pick them up for $8,000. And now, I mean, I sold one six months ago and it was $25,000. So, yeah. And that was, the guy was like, I got myself a bargain. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'll look for another one for you. Yeah. So <laughs> we've been talking about film cameras, okay. and obviously there's a whole 
renaissance going on. Yeah. Digital cameras are going on 20, 25 years now that we've yeah. had these around. Yeah. And there was some, I know that the, uh, I've always loved the original Leica digital camera, was this big S1, this monstrous scanning oh, yes, camera. Yes, yes. Now, they sold for I don't know how much money back in the day, 20, 25 years ago when they first came out. Mm -hmm. And they only made 250 of them. And yep. you, I know, I've, I watched them on eBay and you could see them as low as $1,500. Yep. The Munich Museum just put one in their collection. So I think that's a, a little marker right there. Yeah. What do you, do you believe that we're going to see prices of some of these early Kodak DSC cameras? No. You're shaking your head? No. 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 You don't. Because <clears throat> they have to work and those won't work. You know, if they do work, it would be bloody lucky. Yeah. And well, you have, you, have buy, and, you have to buy a computer, a vintage right. so computer. Buy an XP. You have to match everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so they're not practical they will be some of them will be collectible in terms of a historical perspective right like that Leica, because only a handful of them are made but you know all mm. of the other ones are just going to be scrapped for parts you know i mean what can you do with them there's not much maybe you can make some ironic hipster-esque photos with the three megapixels that you have or, <laughs> i don't know but um, well, another one I always refer to is uh, for the Leica R8 and R9, which were phenomenal cameras. Mm, that was the nicest yeah. reflex camera Leica ever made. And the only one that they actually made, the rest were, I believe, rebranded Minaldas. Um, kind of. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I know there was a little marriage going yeah. on there. But if you have uh, um, the R8 or R9, you can buy that uh, Module R that yeah. clips on the back, and it uses uh, compact flashcards. And yes, if you go directly from the camera, you need a SCSI. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't take the card out and put it into a new computer. You could actually use it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you will, but the collectible digital market, there isn't what I've ever, you know, I've never, I never get people saying, hey, can you find me this digital camera? Yet. But I get people saying, <laughs> hey, can you find me the, you know, the 5D Mark III? No, I don't do that. No. Sorry. You know, um, but not really any. I think I've had one person maybe ask for a very early Leica compact digital Digilux or something. And yeah. I said, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So um, it's, I think people sort of viewed them as disposable items. So a lot of them just got chucked. You know, they didn't take care of them. Well, even if you look at the top of the line cameras, they'll cost $8,000 today. And then three years from now, they're going to be half or a quarter of that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so that, I'm just curious to know if that tide's ever going to change, just from either nostalgia or collectibles, like you say, historically. Perhaps if somebody could, uh, you know, build some emulator so you can use it on your modern computer, yeah. and and then could say, yeah, I can actually keep these things working for the next mm -hmm. ten years. Then yeah, maybe, but I don't think anybody can really be bothered. Perhaps mm -hmm. keeping them working is it's a lot of electronics. It's a lot of headaches. Yeah. You know. Can I jump back to talk about uh, Japan again and, yeah. and some of the, I don't know, can you describe the, the culture? I, I mean, we don't have to go big into the culture, but I'm thinking more about like how many stores still exist? How, oh, I mean, have you, yeah. have you found all the stores? <laughs> no, it's, uh, Tokyo is unique. You know, yeah. there's, I mean, in Shinjuku alone, I'm thinking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine well-known used classic camera shops mm -hmm. just wow. in Shinjuku alone. And that's just one area of yeah. the city. You know, I think there's probably about 40, 30 or 40 camera shops in Tokyo, greater Tokyo. 
And then you start going out into the suburbs, and then these there's these tiny little places, no websites, yeah. nothing. You know, you 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 learn from them by word of mouth. I've driven out to the middle of nowhere and found this guy who had a studio, and he said, "Oh yeah, I sell cameras." full boxed brand new sets of all of the original Nikon uh, RF cameras and all of the original Nikon SLR cameras, all box lenses. <laughs> what would you like? <laughs> oh, all of it? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that, that's how it is in Japan. There's a lot of those places and they're run by old men. And, right. Yeah. And do you think that's changing? Do you think with the next it generation? Is, it is changing. Um, the younger generation doesn't seem to care that much, you know. A lot of them sort of moan to me like, "You're the, you're the only person who cares." <laughs> no, I'm not the only person. But do you think that you could this your your business and what you're doing could exist? You could have made this happen anywhere else. No, yeah. no, not on this level. Yeah. I mean, all of the buyers I know they come to Japan at least once a year to stock up. Yeah. I just happen to live there, yeah, so yeah. Um, I can stock up easily. Even if I was based in New York, I'd be going to Japan at least once, twice a year. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of need to. Mm -hmm. That's where you find everything. Yeah. Um, and but yes, not, but uh, but like German cameras as well. Yes, yes, particularly German cameras. Yeah. I mean, up until I think quite recently, it was rumored that Japan had more Leicas than Germany, yeah. because during the bubble period Japan just bought everything yes. everything you know and it didn't matter if it was a Leica contacts Zeiss anything it was it was bought mm -hmm. um, you can still find a lot of it and there's still a lot of private collections as collectors are getting older they're coming onto the market um, the younger generation there are some people who are very strong and very into it it's going to become more consolidated I think in the next 10 years. When Hasselblad was still making uh, their V-series cameras, their classic film cameras, mm -hmm. at one point they came out with, uh, uh, with trying to find new ways of selling cameras that were getting antiquated. They came out with a program where you could do custom colors on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, red, green, yeah, blue, yeah. whatever. And um, a great deal of those camera orders came from Asia, from yeah. Japan. It was yeah. big. I, I had one student who came in. She wanted each side to be a different color. Cool. It looked great. It was yeah. every back was a different color. Yeah, but it's they've always been kind of like stylish, uh, style conscious in that. Uh, I think it's not so much style conscious as as having something unique. Yeah, to be able to say, well, this is only for Japan. We've got it, and you haven't. You know that that's a real sort of selling point there. Mm -hmm. um, I like having Japan only spec things, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I think my customers too. Do too, you know, they'll get something and it say made in Japan on the box and Japan on them. Yeah. Oh, I've got I've got one of these now. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think that's quite a big deal for the Japanese. I, perhaps it's a signifier of wealth. You know, we we've got enough that we can demand our own specific market specific products. Yeah. You know, I understand. Um, yeah. Which is I think quite a big deal in Asian society. Perhaps I know that's a big thing in China now. You know, to be able to say, oh, this is made specifically for our store and there's only 200 of them. And, mm. Yeah. Mm. And is, is your website kind of the main the main avenue that people find you? Yeah. Or uh, well, did mm. you, I, I heard you mentioned Instagram earlier. Do you yeah. use Instagram uh, yeah. a lot? Oh, boy, you post everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I'm, there's a whole community like a of, of, of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there is a whole community. It, it, originally, it was the website that was the driver, but it's now become social media that is the driver. 
um, Instagram particularly, I mean, probably going to hit nearly 100,000 followers during this trip. Um, and you're active, man. I see you're on the, all the time. Yeah, and yeah. there's a whole following. There's a whole bunch of yeah, trickle down. Yeah. Going on. And then I've got, you know, the Twitter, uh, Facebook. But that Tumblr. Instagram is a straight business. It's yeah. camera. Yeah. Camera yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't really, I don't do selfies. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not 16, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, and I'm not particularly pretty. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I think the cameras can do the talking. Um, it is work related. Occasionally I'll put some food. On there, when I see something particularly delicious, <laughs> chances are there'll be a camera in the background. Um, I try and keep it fairly focused, yeah. you know. And what's uh, what's next? I mean, what's the bit next project? What's, next? Where, what's the future for um, the Japan camera? So the one twenty format uh, JCH Street Pan film comes out this week. Next, well, I I think it's starting shipping this week. This week, next week. Let's preface uh, this: you you actually are marketing film now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We spoke about this early on, yeah. but it wasn't uh, mentioned early, uh, yeah. otherwise. So the um, the Street Pan 400 film was very, very popular. And popular enough that people were sort of constantly badgering me on social media. 120, 120. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was like, fine, okay, I'll do it. And it cost me a fortune, but I did it. You know, I made it. And as soon as I did that, everybody's like, four by five. You know, <laughs> oh, come on, guys, <laughs> come on. slow down. Minox, Minox, yeah. Minox. <laughs> um, but I decided to release the 120. Pre-sales have been really good, um, very encouraging. So, um, yeah, the next step after that, some of it I'm not um, contractually not allowed to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just us. It's just us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and the NDA. <laughs> um yeah, I will be doing, I'm looking to make other films as well. I think in the next couple of years, I would like to be able to release some other types of film. I'm not sure what yet. I've got a few ideas. Are these driven by what you'd like to see or what your customers would like uh, to see? Both, but I think mainly what the customers would like to see. The first one was what I wanted to see. Now it's a case of, okay, now I should be maybe a bit less selfish. No, this is ISO. <laughs> what's the ISO of this film? 400. 400, yeah, okay. Black and white. And after that, I think it would be nice to make a slide film. Um, we're going to, I'm going to be working on a few collaborations with some, some manufacturers. So we're going to see some crossover products, which is going to be kind of cool. Any black and white transparency film? Possibly. Ooh. It could, it could happen. Um, I know the people who could make it happen. So uh, it's, it's, as always, it's a case of funding. I don't do Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. I don't do those things. You know, I feel if my product is good enough, I should be able to sell it with confidence. You know, Kickstarter is for people who don't have any money, you know, and my business is such that I could, it's a struggle, but I could in theory put these things out. You know, well, you know, there are some big, bigger companies. Yeah, at least they think they're bigger. That are doing Kickstarter. Yes. a couple of lens manufacturers, independent lens. Yeah, they're funding everything. Yeah, I that. don't think that's a different fair. story. That's not fair. That's not what Kickstarter was designed for. You know, it's not to do your R and D. 
Yeah. You, yeah. You, you should be able to do that yourself. So that's part of your business expense. Well, I can tell you, if, if you do have a good business plan and it's well laid out, I mean, John could write you a check. All right. It tells me it's very, very bouncy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I decided, you know, if I had confidence enough in my products, I should be able to put them out. And I did. And I put them on pre-sale and, and people supported that. You know, so I've been able to pay for the things I've made, um, which has been really great because everything, you know, with the film so far, it just goes straight back into making the next one or the next product, the next thing, you know. Now you have film and you have the film containers, which yeah. are really kind of, they're, they're very, very handy to have. Yeah. What else do you have? I have uh, leather handmade film cases, mm -hmm. um, which I've been doing with this company called Mill and Rocky from Australia. Uh, they're kind of expensive, but they're beautiful. I mean, they're, you know, really beautiful colors, very nice, supple leather. Uh, they're a bit more specialist, I think. You know, those are for people who really want to sort of uh, buy themselves a treat, perhaps. Um, I also sell uh, Miyazaki lenses, the MS optical lenses. Oh, yes. Um, I'm a distributor for him. Um, and I sell... Uh, like can you tell us a little bit about the? I'm very familiar with those. Like, could you give us a little bit of background <laughs> on? I think they're amazing. I love this. Um, so Miyazaki is this awesome but slightly eccentric old man um, based in Japan who makes M mount lenses based on classic lens formulas. And the one he released last week, or uh, what two weeks ago, it was, was the a prot a forty millimeter, forty millimeter, six point three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's. It's, you know, some people are like, 6.3, why would I buy yeah. that? But it's a it's a, a Rudolf Zeiss-designed lens from like 1918, you know. Mm. It's not meant to be fast. It's meant to be full of character and and You're subtleties. not buying speed, you're buying yeah. personality. But then again, he's also made a 50mm 1.1. He's, yeah. he's made a, a pancake 28mm f2. You know, a pancake. That was there tiny. are tiny lenses tiny, in there, tiny. meticulous, and he, and he gives diagrams and he yes, specs yes. everything out. He writes everything by hand, which is a complete nightmare to translate. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, um, and he does a lot of stuff that's quite indecipherable. You can't really work out why he did it. He, you just let him get on with it. You can't lead a horse to water, as they say. You know, he does have his eccentricities. And he can be difficult to work with, but that's the way artisans are, mm -hmm. isn't it? You, you don't expect them to be easy. Um, but he produces these wonderful little lenses, which are always very popular. Um, so I've been doing those. And we also do lens conversions with him. So we'll get a mini Lux lens or a Konica uh, Hexar lens or something and rip it out of the camera, put it onto an M-mount helicoid. And then you've got it on M mount. Wow, it's, like, it's been great having you. By the way, I, yeah. I know you've been away from home for a few days, yeah. and you might not have been keeping up on current events. But I just want to fill you in on this. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, uh, unfortunately, I have to break. Is some Japan bad news. still there? Japan is still there. However, Godzilla is dead. Haru Nakajima yeah. died at eighty-eight. Yeah, he played Godzilla. He yeah. put on that two hundred pound rubber suit in twelve oh. films. And wow. He okay. passed on. Oh, so. that's a shame. Godzilla is an institution, you know. It's uh, okay, yes, dedicated to him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Bell, if, if people want to uh, see what you're doing, what are all the sure. sites? Give us all your info. So um, the main site is japancamerahunter.com. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see 
we, it's it's everything because I want the site to be available to everybody. So it's interviews, it's book yes. reviews of Japanese photo books. Uh, what's in your bag? What's in your bag? You know, people sharing their bag, people sharing their photography. I feel that it's a community site where people have the opportunity to share with others their work, their photography. It's not just about me or, or what I do. Um, and there's the Instagram, which is Japan Camera Hunter, and Twitter and Facebook. They're all the same. It, Japan Camera Hunter, you can't really miss me. Um, when did and, you come up with the name? Um, well, my surname's Hunt. I live in Japan and I like cameras. Yeah, it's pretty much... Made sense. Yeah, yeah. kind of <laughs> focused on that one and went, yeah, that works. Yeah, that does work. <laughs> and, <yes. laughs> and yeah, it, it seemed to work. You know, it had a ring to it and JCH, which is mm. what it's sort of becoming. Um, and, yeah. and by the way, I, I must add that aside from the fact that it has a lot of great content, it's very well done site. It's yeah. some sites they, they arm wrestle with. Your site is, is visually pleasing, easy yeah. to get around. And I, I spent time on it. Yeah. I've actually learned a lot on that site. I, thank you. I try to make sure that you're not going to get bombarded with, hey, join our mailing list and, None and, of that. and all of that. I don't nope. like any of that stuff. And it makes me leave websites. I wanted a website that I would want to read and I wouldn't be bothered. It wouldn't be forcing me to stay on there. It wouldn't be forcing me to buy anything. You can come and go as you please, but if you want to take part, you can send me an email and you can be part of the website. Yes. And people are really astounded by that. And do you manage all of that? Do yeah. you have a team with um, you? No, that's me. Just you, just wow. Me. Yeah. What do you do in your spare time? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who, what's that? <laughs> Um, I have I have uh, a couple of assistants who do a lot of the the shipping and paperwork and things like this. But the grunt work, uh, the majority of the site stuff, I still do. I have writers now, which um, has been a big help. Hey, well, there you go. <laughs> um, but I need hmm. I need more help, so I will be looking for more help, people. If you ever want to offer your assistance, yeah, you heard it here first. Yeah. Okay, Bellamy Hunt. Japan Camera Hunter. Pleasure having you on board today. It was today. a pleasure to be involved. Thank you very Thank you much for having me. And by the me. way, if anybody else would like to have him as a guest, if you just send him an email, say, I'd like to Skype with you, he will fly to your hometown <laughs> a week if later. I happen to be flying <laughs> there, yes, I will um, do my best to. Yeah. All right, before we say bye-bye, just to remind you, if you are not a subscriber to our show, okay, you owe it to yourself. Go to iTunes, sign up. It is free, and we have 80-something episodes already posted on a variety of photographic subjects. Uh, many shows I've gone back uh, myself to listen to because I can never get it all in in one shot. So go to iTunes, go to the B&H Explorer website. It's available all over the place. And as always, for John, Jason, and sitting in for Jason today, Rob Reeves, thank you so much for joining us today. 